0: You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. And I have the wonderful guest, Olivia Britt-Sweet, owner of Mortal Emblem, artist and uh, VHS enthusiast. Had to throw that in there. Welcome to the show, Olivia.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Ken.
1: Yeah, I... um, uh, Just a little context. um, I got to chat with you. um, Got a tattoo as well. I have an owl... Uh, cave um, tattoo from Twin Peaks, and at your shop, I got a, a nice Douglas fir tree placed under it. When I stopped by the store, uh, my partner Jenny and I had been to like um, uh, like a little Zine Fest over there in, in uh, Lloyd Center, and uh, I was so jazzed about what I had. I saw all the color and all the stuff, and I think I kind of went up to you and say, "Hey, look at my comics," because that's what. <laughs> So why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? But um, uh, so I've, uh, you know, I go over to Floating World Comics and uh, I actually recorded an episode uh, with uh, uh, an artist, uh, Marouche Mazmanian, um, outside of Lloyd Center. So I've had this um, deep attraction to the location of the Lloyd Center and what it, what it is right now. And then I'm like, holy shit, there's a tattoo shop down there and they have a VHS playing outside and you were there and just a wonderful shop and I got a tattoo. And recently you celebrated the one year anniversary of opening up Mortal Emblem. So I wanted to, that reminded me to get back in touch. We say, Libby, we need you on the show, but tell us, um, Tell us what that's been like and about your, uh, your business, the Mortal Emblem and your tattooing.
0: Thanks. Yeah. So the one-year anniversary of our grand opening party was January 13th. Um, so we're going to have a party to celebrate. Instead of on that date, uh, we are going to be celebrating February 2nd. It's a Friday from 4 to 7 at our location in the mall. And um, we did our soft opening December 6th last year. So that whole month between December 6th and January 13th kind of felt like this fog of like being able to think about like what it was like opening up last year with nothing on the walls and just a few appointments and just me and a couple counter people and then slowly kind of building this crew that we have now um, that feels like a full fledged team. And it's just, really incredible to kind of think that this leap of faith that I took, mostly because I loved the idea of being in the mall, being in Lloyd Center, kind of being part of this new wave of tenants that are more small businesses, artists, um, people that could really benefit from a lower cost retail space in a location that I find iconic. I've always loved the Lloyd Center. And there's so many reasons why I think Lloyd Center was the best mall in Portland. And now I feel like there's a whole other set of reasons why I think it's the best mall. So <laughs> it's been a really amazing journey. some of it is just seeing the transformation of the mall in the last year, um, what a year can do. Um, it was, you know, obviously very um, quiet the last <laughs> year when I moved in and it's really come a long way. I think we get a lot more foot traffic now. I think the community's excited. Now that they know that Lloyd Center is a thing and it's still a thing, I think there were a lot of rumors that it had been condemned or abandoned or just was closed um, ever since COVID. And so, kind of combating those rumors with you know just events and um, positive feedback about the mall—it's um, a wonderful place that is one of the very few kind of third space options in the city where you can just walk around and be out of the elements. You can be social, you can meet people there. There's not a lot of places left in the city to do that, to just be existing without being like in a business or in your own home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, it's, um, I, I I'm fascinated by like the extended life or new life of malls. You know, I, I I'm so fascinated by, um, you know, commercial industrial space, I've, I've, you know, I, I, I dropped into kind of like documentaries about like abandoned malls and like all this like social and economic and, you know, very American things, uh, about a mall. And then the develop, the seeing a mall develop in a way where, um, you know, it's still growing. It's still kind of this mix in the Lloyd Center, but you have a, a an ice skating rink. You have a Floating World Comics, uh, which is a publisher, great supporter of uh, all sorts of art and comics and, uh, and people making independent art, all the brilliant folks in, in, in Portland and um and, of course noticing uh your business um like how you'd set it up with this kind of like really kind of groovy lights in, in in color it's like a place you wanna uh hang out like sit down and hang out and uh, that that's a welcoming vibe and um so uh, that's part of like in, in seeing your art and seeing um uh, your energy towards you know what you what you create was definitely um Uh, why I wanted to link up with you and chat with you about on the show. Um, I saw uh, that around the time that Depeche Mode uh, played in Portland, which, oh my gosh, I didn't see them, but there was even uh, gorgeous tattoo designs, Depeche Mode, tattoo designs uh personal jesus uh some of the western iconography from that song and things like that uh you want to drop in a little bit on the the depeche mode and like some of that art
0: yeah absolutely so um i think since we opened the shop for some reason just Started listening to so much Depeche Mode all the time. I think there's <laughs> something about that space and like the reason why it's so colorful and so inviting is um, because I I wanted it to be a place where it feels kind of like a beacon, like a beacon of art, creativity, uh, energy. Um, I've I've been in places that in my opinion, it doesn't feel like a space where art is made. If there's nothing on the walls, if there's, uh, if everything's mm-hmm. white and, and that's subjective, everybody has their own opinion. But, um, some of my favorite shops that I've worked in are the ones that have so much to look at. There's so much stimulation everywhere you look is something to, you know, decipher or, um, pick apart or just to observe. And so, and, and I don't know what it is about Depeche Mode exclusively. I think um, my husband Craig and I were having this debate about sad music. And like he gravitates more towards music that's overtly sad. And I gravitate towards music that sounds happy but is sad. <laughs> so I
1: think that's <laughs> why I really love Depeche yeah.
0: Mode. And um, I think music like that, a lot of that kind of like 80s new wave post-punk is similar to that. And so... Yeah. Um, it, it is kind of like a hair metal new wave sort of fantasy, all the that color scheme and the zebra and, and the neon lights and stuff like that. Um, and so listening to so much Depeche Mode over the last year and they're a band I've always liked and admired, but just really kind of just had it envelop me over the last year when I heard they were coming to town. Initially I was discouraged just by the ticket prices, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, As I kept looking, I noticed they released some kind of cheaper nosebleed seats closer to the date of the concert. And so I decided I don't care where I'm sitting. I just want to be there. Um, And the wonderful thing about being an independent contractor is that if you are doing something related to your work, you can write it off as a tax expense. And so I really wanted to... Uh, Be able to attend the show, not just to write it off, but to actually celebrate it within the shop because it felt like such an important part of like my shop's identity and just the vibes there and some of the music that we listen to. And so when I created the Flash Day a couple days before the concert, I spent a long time preparing kind of all of these designs and ideas and um, watched all of their music videos again and kind of just tried to refamiliarize myself with, you know, something other than the long stemmed rose, which is iconic and everybody loves that icon. Yeah. So of course that yeah. was an option, but I ended up coming up with like four or five sketchbook pages full of small designs and then had to kind of refine them and make, make it so they could all fit on a sheet and have it be size appropriate to be tattooed. Um, and then our, mall neighbors uh secret press they do uh rizzo printing they made they turn the sheet into a beautiful rizzo print which is available at the shop uh and so we were able to kind of you know collaborate with other mall tenants as well and so it was a really fun day and the folks who came to get tattooed were just so excited everybody had had this common connection yeah and it was really fun and i think like doing stuff like that which is like not trying to appeal to everybody, trying to appeal to, not even trying to really appeal to anyone, I think, is is what I'm trying to do. It's I'm just really excited about these things, and I'm trying to do more stuff for myself than for everybody else. And then when those people are attracted to it, it really uh, is validating, because then you do have that shared connection. Um, so I did the cowboy boot with the rose. Yeah. Um, I think I did a heart that said violator with the long stem rose through it. I did another one. I can't remember, but a lot of people were like very into the personal Jesus, but I think it like has to find the right home.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) that, that, that makes sense. I, um, I, uh, I have a, uh, Depeche Mode 101, they're kind of black and white road, um, Video. I have that on VHS, so I, oh, I, I I thought of you when I when I saw that. And um, no, it's just a, a band I really adore, and I think maybe for uh, I don't know, maybe a philosopher or salvation minded or what has go on there is that there's some deep. Deep, unique thought in the Mode, but also maybe those aspects of celebration of of gloom or darkness or difficulty, and also as just as far as um, uh, fashion and uh, appeal to different genders and uh, kind of an openness, um, way ahead of its time. You know, Absolutely. like in, in, in popular culture, and um,
0: and their relevancy uh, just keeps yeah. expanding. I, I've heard. I haven't listened to their new record as much as the old stuff, but I mean, just they're still incredible. They sounded amazing at the show. They did versions of some of the songs that were very unique I'd never heard before, and so it was it's incredible to see like how long lasting that legacy is, how influential they are to so many different walks of life. You don't just have to be goth or this or that. Like I think that they permeate a lot of different genres and different type of um, listener.
1: Yeah. And I see why they freaked everybody out. There's kind of like dark Mm -hmm. sexuality seen deviant, particularly like in the eighties that, um, high, highly disrupted. I've seen them live uh, a couple of times and I, I, there's certain uh, concerts I have in my head where, um, I don't remember concerts this way generally, but sometimes I can feel the sound and feel like know exactly what that song sounded like. And there's not too many bands that have done that when I've seen them live. And it's like, let's say the cure I've had that thing where I can hear exactly how that bass was sounding or, Mm -hmm. um, Uh, with Depeche Mode. My brother, my brother, Chris saw Depeche Mode out in Barcelona once. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, that was such a, such a, just such, such a wonderful, um, uh, experience uh for him so yeah i really love that love love seeing that and um like i said the the aesthetics of the uh, of the shop and um the the Vhs thing i had mentioned um we were chatting a little bit beforehand um i love the tv that you have with some Vhs there And for me um i was uh, during the pandemic uh whatever we were doing you know like where, wherever we were i one time i went out to the recycling bin outside of my place and uh down in albany oregon here and i found a vcr in the recycling and it was like perfectly functional and at that point i don't know what was sharing like online and you're looking at you were doing video things i discovered this kind of whole tape head vhs culture like physical media and i was like oh i didn't know i couldn't do that like i would anyways you know i'd play my but i'm like right okay there's some some folks who are who are down with this and it's just uh it's kind of fun because there's um not just bootleggy stuff there's 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 the the aesthetics of watching it that way there's like Mm -hmm. how can you find this weird film or watching a cult film not in any decent type of in in a gritty way like right. you know your following with footage, static you know, or yes <laughs> with static and fixing the tracking and all that stuff so uh uh I really enjoyed seeing that and um there was uh, maybe a, around that time during the pandemic uh, a short film video uh related to, to tattooing um could could you talk about uh that 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 film and, and that was on VHS and like what was going on for you like creatively or in having that uh, VHS in the shop? Um,
0: yeah. That? So that definitely. Uh, so I have always collected VHS. I still have my same copy of jawbreaker from when I was in high school, still have our a- same burn gully that I had when I was a kid. So they're through all of the moves. Our collection has shifted and gotten bigger and smaller. And then during the pandemic, we got a projector for the house and for the garage so that we could watch movies with a couple of friends with our six foot distance and our air purifier and everything. And as we started going back through our VHS collection, we realized a lot of the ones we wanted to watch, we had sold in the last move. And so we started going back out and shopping for some of the same titles, some of the new titles. But um, then when I created the shop and, and wanted everything to kind of be curated in a way where like, I would enjoy working there as much as I would love getting tattooed there. Um, I had this little tiny VCR combo that I would watch movies in the studio on. And so I put it in the shop and then kind of curated our little collection. But during the pandemic, when we were watching all these movies and I couldn't work, all the tattoo shops were closed. We had no idea for how long. Um, I was nonstop thinking about tattooing but couldn't actually do it and so we were since we were watching so many movies i was like you know what would be so cool is to have like a bootleg supercut of all of these scenes from tattooing in tv movies whatever whatever it is and i just kept saying like oh this would be so cool someone needs to do this yeah. and i kind of um like the kind of bootleg supercut for me was always like heavily influenced by vice's tv carnage and there are like some, some friends of mine, some local folks like, um, Kyle Reese, VCR TV, um, Peter from Hollywood Babylon, who like kind of create their own little super cuts and stuff that I was always super into. And I think my husband was like, no one's going to do that. You should do it. Yeah. Like yeah. realistically, nobody's going to make that but you. <laughs> so right, right. I had a lot of time on my hands and, um, So I started collecting clips on YouTube and just kind of making notes of of scenes as I saw them. And then going back to work, it was a project that I would slowly kind of chip away at when I had the time. And the last time I'd edited a video was high school or college, maybe. So it had been a long time, Um, but I have some sort of semblance of what that looked like and now all the software is so intuitive we're editing videos on our phones for reels all the time we're doing these things like that you used to have you used to have to have like a very large expensive computer with a large expensive Final Cut Pro software on there and it was not accessible you had to be taught how to use it and then I figured out basically like all I had to do was watch some YouTube tutorials and boot up iMovie and I was able to make it happen. So it did take a year or two from when I started to when I actually finished the video and it topped out at 25 minutes. And so I had a little bit of help with um, some of the green screen stuff, since that's a little above my uh, knowledge bracket from uh, my husband, Craig's brother, Matthew. So he helped me kind of uh, superimpose some shots that I had actually um, created for the video with my friend Abram onto a green screen so that we could have like an intro and an ending. And then once that was done, I didn't really know what to do with it. I wanted to put it on VHS because I thought it would be funny. And like, maybe I could, you know, just have it for my own collection. And then Kyle Reese from VCR TV was kind enough to help me dub it onto some tapes. And Craig made me a beautiful sleeve for my VHS tapes. And uh, then I was able to just create like a little, a small run. I think I only made 30 tapes. So I still have a few left for sale at the shop, but um, really it's kind of just something I did for me. And then along that process, I met so many incredible people who are also really into VHS
1: tapes. (laughs) And so
0: it's not just people who are into tattooing that have appreciated this video and have bought tapes from me. It's just other tape collectors, other people who love like bootleg super cuts, like that kind of stuff. And I, I kind of made it specifically for tattooers because I thought it was so funny how silly and stupid a lot of the portrayals of tattooing is in the media. And so what started as kind of like a, oh, let's just laugh at how stupid this is, kind of turned into an informal case study on how t- tattooing is portrayed in society There's a lot of interesting stereotypes that I found. Like especially once you have clips that are you know back to back and you watch them over and over, you kind of start seeing patterns in this. And a lot of the patterns I saw was like, unfortunately, a lot of racial stereotypes. Like a lot of the the content that's produced with Latino Mexican actors is usually centered around prison tattoos or gang tattoos. There's not a lot of black representation in film you know, just as a whole. And so there was a lot less even of tattoos. It was like Blade 1 through 3, like obviously, but it actually was harder for me to find content with non-white actors just because of the imbalance of, you know, just our yeah. our media in general, American media. Um, another interesting thing that I saw was like essentially that tattooing is still seen as the butt of the joke in like a lot of these situations where it was like um somebody got a tattoo you know like in the hangover where he wakes up with the mike tyson tattoo and there are several patterns of of scenes like that and so i kind of tried to group things together as i was cutting and editing i would notice like oh here's you know, three or four clips of somebody pouring liquor on a fresh tattoo. (laughs) Here's three or four clips of, you know, somebody waking up with a tattoo or getting a tattoo that they weren't aware of. Um, and then, uh, then there are actors who are just heavily tattooed, whose tattoos are portrayed in their films, like Danny Trejo. There's a whole montage of exclusively Danny Trejo clips, which I find incredible. I think he's awesome. And, um, And The Rock also, you know, he incorporates his tattoos into a lot of his roles as well. And so, um, yeah, it was really fun. I'm working on the second volume right now. And so there are some additional kind of patterns that I'm seeing in the second wave of clips that I'm looking at and editing and stuff. So I'm really excited to see what else happens because there's like the first version I found was kind of like, not necessarily low-hanging fruit, but in my opinion, some of the more obvious titles. And now I'm kind of going in and seeing like, oh, there's a whole lot of kind of like body horror Cronenberg stuff that does feature tattoos. And there's a whole lot of um, older movies that feature them as well. So I'm kind of now like volume two, I feel like will be a little bit more rated M for mature, a little bit more... um, Not necessarily deep dives because I feel like the more TV I watch, the more I'm constantly adding to this list of clips that I want to keep going. So it could be an infinite title um, as far as the volumes go. (laughs) It might just be something that I just keep working on until I run out or lose interest. Uh, But I know there's definitely going to be a second, possibly a third if I don't have enough room. I feel like watching an hour of this stuff would be too much. So I'm trying to keep it to under 30 minutes, just for everyone's attention spans.
1: Yeah, I like uh, you know you're talking about, and obviously, like particularly with video of uh, of seeing patterns, you know, like in sequence, right? That I think mm-hmm. a lot of times you don't notice, and there's something about pointing out that. I um I started getting tattoos uh, at 40. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm 51 now, but like, I just decided and I, I was becoming more into art and, um, but long before that, a great friend of mine, uh, Sean Brown, who is, um, uh, a great artist and tattoo artist. Um, I met him in the nineties in DC and he was part of the, uh, DC, uh, uh punk scene uh, African American, he taught me so much, um, at a time where tattoos weren't like talked about, uh, like a whole lot, you know? And so I had just great influence. He's done half my tattoos and, but related to that too, was like, he explained me the significance of these things. He explained to me the beauty of them. Like, I remember one time, like, you know, in culture, people say like tramp stamp, he was like, Fucking don't say that ken like that's a beautiful part of the body like don't like you know it, it's just as a friend he was like don't mm-hmm. don't erase like like that's a beautiful part like for anybody to get a tattoo and i don't want stupid ass like comments like you know and and, yeah. and just just really jarring me and um and he had been very uh influenced uh, uh by japanese uh history history within uh tattooing so like i thought it was pretty cool that when i was introduced to tattooing i was introduced into a deep challenging conversation long ago and uh i've yeah, always uh,
0: fantastic
1: yeah he's uh out in uh tattoo uh paradise shop out in um of washington dc so awesome. um yeah it's re- really nice um I I'm, I'm going to switch. We get a knock out a conceptual question, uh mm-hmm. Olivia. We got to we got to do we got to do one here. Uh what is art? What is art?
0: To me personally, I think art is passion and expression and sometimes when you just feel like you can't be contained in this vessel, this meat suit that we're all piloting. I feel like sometimes you have to be able to unload some of that human experience through art. I think like to me, it it translates into a lot of different media. And that was a, kind of a, a weird silver lining of the pandemic to me was I couldn't tattoo. I wasn't legally allowed to. And I also didn't feel like it was safe to. And so I started exploring other mediums again that I had abandoned in my in my search for being the tattooer of my dreams at the time, and and I think our our definition of dreams and success as artists changes over time too. And what initially gets you into it is not init- is not what keeps you in it once you're there. I think that being able to have ambition is great, but if you're your idea of success is just like being able to make this one thing that's the greatest thing ever and it's not the daily practice the grind the the um the repetition of your practice i think that you can just get lost in that ambition and it becomes hollow so i think having art for me is like i always want to do it because I know that everything I do benefits it. Everything, no matter what medium, if I decide to work on a film project, if I'm making music again, if I am sculpting, all of it goes into my practice and makes me better at every medium. It all benefits my tattooing. It all benefits my uh, peace of mind, my mental health, Um, just having that expression and that outlet as um, somebody who I think like when I first started tattooing, I had this vision of what a tattooer was, and that, to me, was somebody who only tattooed. They Their focus was only tattooing, and I thought that people who did other things maybe weren't as serious about it. But now that I'm older, I realize that a lot of that is bullshit. It's just programming that somebody tells you one time, and then you take that as gospel, and then you undermine yourself to please others, and so... Being able to have any artistic outlet is all relevant and it's all very important. And I think art in any of its iterations and crafts, hobbies, anything um, is really important. And I think without having that outlet, I think in this society especially, this like capitalist society with all of these systemic injustices is crushing. And I think we need to be able to have that as a society. And it's sad that art classes aren't valued as much as other classes, because if it weren't for art, I don't know if I would have graduated high school. <laughs> I think that's definitely something that kept me going back to school was the incentive that somehow somewhere in the day I would get to create art.
1: Yeah. I, I love that. It's so, it's so important. I think uh, I've had a lot of conversations on the show and uh, I'm all, I'm all, I'm still surprised and always surprised at just how pivotal, you know, just how pivotal when we're talking about living, not just people who are excited by art, but the fact that most anybody I talk to about art can tell a story related to it with maybe positive or negative, or, you know, Mr. Jones says, you know, I, I was terrible at art and that had an impact on me or somebody took me aside um, and said, yo, this is this is you this is what you're doing and what that that does for you um it becomes so important I, I wanted to ask you i mean you had mentioned a different um you know ways that you would express your art or view yourself as an artist when did you see yourself um as an artist did you walk around and say like this is me or was it always like that
0: I think for me, it was always like that. And when I was little, it was like the, the Christmas present that my sister and I got was like a big giant set of watercolors or colored pencils or the art set that had like a little bit of everything and or like a hobby kit, like a like clay or um, whatever those little like packaging things that you can like get for little kids that are like, Oh, it's a bead making kit. It's a whatever. Uh, We got a lot of those as kids. And I think just keeping my hands busy, keeping my brain busy, I also have ADHD. And so as a child, I was really interested in like the hyper focus of a project. And um, I think that some of my earliest memories are coloring books, um, crafts, just creating stuff out of sticks, building things. Um, I, even from like a very small kid, was always interested in making and creating. And my parents really nurtured that, which is awesome. Um, and then when I was old enough to know what tattoos were, I was instantly gravitated towards that. And it was different in the 90s growing up. Um, there wasn't a lot of information about it. It was, it was a little bit more taboo. It was only highlighted in like very sh- kind of like shocking documentaries that were more geared towards like, uh, mature audiences. There was only one place in town I could get a tattoo magazine and that was the 7-Eleven and so everything was really shrouded in mystery and it was hard to find and, and I think that's another reason why I gravitated towards it because I was so sort of hungry for information yeah. and the the kind of secrecy of it all was very appealing to me
1: Yeah yeah
0: And so um just that kind of search for like you know how do I how do I eventually get towards this goal even as like a high schooler I was Interested in flash, and would visit my friends when they would go get tattooed, and so just kind of building this like path towards uh, what eventually would become my life, which is amazing. But even as like a middle schooler, drawing on my friends after class and putting Superman symbols on their arms before basketball games, and <laughs> stuff like yeah. that that you know at the time is really funny but you know all these years later i've been tattooing for 16 years and i feel like it feels like i was always meant to do this
1: yeah and it's par it's powerful a lot of that stuff i mean when we talk about a tattoo and like um, you know, everybody has a different relationship with it, but um, yeah, I I find it to be really exciting. I I, I like them. I uh, one of the funny things I was, was I, sometimes I think about the different ways people approach what they'll um get for a tattoo, and I found that in my mind when I got one, I would say I have eight, but I would say six of them. I only decided like five or ten minutes before I asked, like when mm-hmm. I was at the shop, because yeah. I felt that's the way my brain works and I was super comfortable with being like, this is where it's, this is where it's landed. So I never perseverated on like, on like, on like the what, and I like that it's a strange, uh, you know, you think of the permanence versus, you know, like, um, but I, I've always enjoyed, um, I've always enjoyed that part of things. Um, I was wondering, could you tell just a little bit, I don't want to miss it with regards to the shop itself, but like telling people like, what you have there, you mentioned the VHS and like how uh, maybe appointments work or, you know, the oh, different yeah. types of services and that type yeah, of thing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so we are tattoo only. We don't do piercings. Um, we get a lot of questions about that. But there is another shop in the mall called Euphoria that does tattoos and piercings. So cool. send everybody there for that. And um, so since we specialize in just tattooing, um, I really wanted it to kind of be a place where you could walk in and you could trust the artists and that this is a place where we can make you whatever you want or you can pick something out on the wall if you feel spontaneous and and catering to people in that in that way where like if you come in for a walk in that person if they don't feel like they can do the best job they're going to tell you and they're going to give you a recommendation where you can go. So I think like just having that kind of ethos where like we're not gonna take everything that walks in the door um you know there are some requests like we get a lot of requests for face tattoos on very young people who maybe it's their face their first tattoo or they're not heavily tattooed and that's something like for my principles i don't want to be the one to do that on somebody who um is so young skin on the face ages faster it sees more sun than everything else so I think you know we kind of have that set up as a as a system where, like, there are things that we turn down because I feel like the the kind of question of permanence is so different based on where you are in your life. And I think when you're very young, sometimes you do things that you don't really think about. And then when you're in your 30s, when you're like a full-fledged adult and you know yourself very well, everybody has regrets. But I don't want to be the one to mark somebody with a regret if they haven't really thought through it. And it, basically, that's just because face tattoos, neck tattoos, hand tattoos, all of those high visibility spots are very trendy right now. And I've seen enough tattoos over the last decade and a half to know that trends come and go and there's always backlash there's always just like you mentioned with the tramp stamp term I fully agree with you and I think that it's it's great that your friend pushed you to to not think about it in that way because I think we have a tendency as a society to discard things that we are um, over and I think we have an even higher tendency to discard women and non-men at the same time so tramp stamp terminology kind of does both of those things where we're discarding the trend and we're discarding the woman who was wearing the trend or or whoever's wearing the trend doesn't have to be gendered in that sense but I think that there are just um there are some things that you know like the teeny tiny little tattoos like there are some things that we can do, but I feel like ethically we want the thing to last forever. We want it to look as good as we can. And so, you know, that's kind of off topic. But generally, <laughs> to answer your question, we do walk-ins. Uh, we also take appointments. Um, it's myself and three other full-time artists and one other part-time artists. And then we have a guest station as well. So we do different styles. Um, personally, I'm comfortable in a lot of different styles. I can do um, bold traditional, fine line, black and gray, color, soft black and gray, um, illustrative. Uh, I, I like doing a lot of different things, portraits, uh, animals, space, cosmic, weird stuff. Um, and then a lot of my other artists that work at the shop, most of them specialize in bold american traditional kind of stuff but everybody's pretty versatile and we can also do custom things so you know a lot of times people bring us something that's on their phone or an idea that they've had and and we'll you know make them a, a version that we're happy with and that they're happy with so
1: yeah i don't know listeners i'm i'm excited for a tattoo right now i knew that <laughs> Uh, We're with talking with Olivia Brit Sweet, and of course, uh, Mortal Emblem in uh, talk, talk, and art. I wanted to ask the the wacky ass question because I think I dropped it in there. So this is the title of the show, um, and you can approach us any way you want. Why do you think there is something rather than nothing?
0: I think every little bit goes towards your your goal, your vision, whatever it is. So, you know, even if like in the instance of art. If you're doing something, you're you're doing a drawing exercise. You're practicing lettering. You're just sketching, just to sketch. You're drawing, just to draw. It doesn't have to be Instagram worthy. It doesn't have to be your, you know, your incredible uh, statement to the world. Just the act of making something is important and provides you that foundation of moving towards the future so if you're doing nothing you're not helping yourself at all i think just that's my interpretation of like you know actually contributing something to yourself by the act of making something um is better than nothing
1: yeah I, i i i i dig that i love uh I love uh, being able to talk to you about, um, you know, about tattooing, about art. And uh, I was really uh, in my brain, I was really stimulated by the um, the ways you're talking about not just tattoos or like how you're an artist, but how we're artists in in, in a big, much bigger sense and um, uh, what we're sensitive to and what we're open to. I think artists are the ones to get out the VCR and to say, doesn't it <laughs> Doesn't it make you feel this way by seeing the graininess and connecting it back to your, to your right. history. I said, I set the VCR in the backyard. You did it in the garage. I got the found my old projector and the mm-hmm. white sheet on the fence and Blair Witch Project and some Steven Seagal movies. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when I go VHS, I, I allow myself even further for like what I want. Cause I'm like, this VHS time and it can be anywhere. absolutely
0: and I think there's a lot to be said about how good a bad movie is and I think how comforting that nostalgia is of like maybe it's something you have watched before but maybe it's not but it reminds you of a time and I think that's a huge reason why I wanted an actual VHS collection in the shop and a TV that is there that you know if, if you're lucky enough to be facing the TV I suppose that you can watch a favorite movie and sometimes if if it's just me and a client, I'm like, pick out whatever you want. I've, also, I've seen them all a hundred times. So I usually will let someone pick whatever they want to watch. And sometimes we'll watch it with sound, but sometimes we'll just have music on and the movie will be silent. But it's still kind of that, uh, the experience of watching it on like a tube TV. I have a 1975 yep. Toshiba with the rabbit ears and it's red and it's got the big knobs on it. It's beautiful. And then in the other windows, I have um, four small TVs um, in one display window, a big giant TV in the lobby, and then a secondary TV that's hooked up to the VCR that's watching whatever we're watching that faces the outside. And so every little, every TV kind of serves its own purpose. We have media players with flash drives hooked into them. So they're kind it's almost acting like our bulletin board, our kind of like neon sign type of thing. Uh, where it has all of our, like, basic information, like shop minimum, uh, the artists that work at the shop, uh, no piercings, like that kind of stuff. Uh, they also serve as a very practical purpose for us, too. It's not just, like, the movie aspect. I think having the TVs in the shop is, is a great way to avoid having, like, a lot of signs everywhere. It just, like, creates more space for art.
1: Yeah. So I think folks and talking about the physical location where I've been attracted to as a sub theme of the something rather than nothing podcast, but like mortal emblem. And like I said, floating world comics, uh, over that way, skating rink, uh, you can refer folks to piercings. I believe that was euphoria mm-hmm. in, in, yeah. in, in the mall. And, uh, just, just really, just really dig talking about, um, all these, uh, type of things in an, in, in an open way. Like there's something about the way you were talking about about your work in art that was you know by the names you mentioned like community like based all right how do i do this how do i edit this and even the interactive piece with uh, you know going to get a tattoo of the conversation what are you thinking what are you looking for and like working with somebody to say this is the best way to do it, or like let's go right ahead, or you know, like having an interactive conversation. So I think mm-hmm. it's all like a, a great uh, creative dialogue. You had mentioned, uh, you had mentioned uh, the bits about a mortal emblem before. Um, before uh, before leaving here, I, any other like maybe the Instagram for you or other places to look for your art or anything else you want to mention? Because a lot of listeners. To kind of just follow up and say oh, i'd like to check out that stuff any other places to go
0: yeah um so our website is mortalemblem.com, instagram is at mortal emblem we have a tiktok at mortal emblem that has a couple things on there but it's tough kind of juggling all the social media so we generally stick to instagram for the most part just so that we can kind of create like our running portfolio, our links to every artist and a lot of people communicate via DM. Um, I also have a website. It's just oliviaBritsweet.com that the Tattertainment video that we were talking about uh, lives on. So you can go watch it for free on my website. Um, And if you do want to tape, they live at the shop as well.
1: I again, wanted to uh, give you congratulations for mortal emblem and, you know, starting a, you know, business and working through that, but also uh, spending time on the show and, uh, you know, uh, kicking around a little philosophy, a little bit of art and, uh, oh gosh, talking about VHS. and Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Always happy to. <laughs> and the patch mode. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah. But it's, it's fun to kind of have with the, the starting my own business came actually, in my opinion, like just more Opportunities to be involved with the artistic community and to kind of have those opportunities to partner with people, to collaborate with people that I didn't feel like I had as much as just an independent contractor working for somebody else. And so yeah. that's been a really amazing, positive uh, bonus that I wasn't expecting owning the shop. So it's been really wonderful.
1: Good, good. good. We got, uh, so everybody, we got some into the future but some 2024 excitement uh, over there at the lloyd center mortal Emblem. Right. so um thanks for everything you do olivia uh really great to um uh to see all the art and all the color and and everything that you do so like uh um It's been a pleasure having you on the show and, and great success. And everybody, if you're in the, you know, if you have the means and you're in the, or, you know, Portland, uh, Oregon, uh, check out some of these businesses creating great art and and swing by mortal emblem. Like I said, I went there and I got a tattoo, but I was also like, I want to chill here for like an hour an hour and a half just looking at things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I want to, I want a place where you feel comfortable.
1: I'm not yeah, telling everybody got- to hang and not spend money for it. I'm about to say, <laughs> I'm very comfortable. There's plenty to
0: look at. Yeah, we've got artist books and stuff. And you got tattooed by Stevie, right?
1: Yeah. 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 We have just-
0: Stevie, who's wonderful. Stevie's Kristen.
1: great.
0: Yeah. Cal, Tanya, and then uh, Sarah Cobion, who comes and does uh, flash days with us. So we have a, a wonderful crew. Everybody's absolutely delightful. And really good at what they do and uh just really nice people so it's a pleasure
1: awesome well uh, listeners we're gonna get uh, we're gonna let olivia off to continue her artwork uh for for the day and uh into the future olivia a great pleasure having you on the podcast and a uh, great success and hope to stop by the shop and say hello in person soon
0: excellent thank you so much ken
1: you're welcome take care
0: me too Is something rather
1: than nothing. And listeners, to stay connected with us and our guests, visit somethingratherthannothing.com. Join our mailing list for exclusive updates and access to guest-created art. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode, please like, subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform. People really read that shit. Your support helps us reach more listeners and spread our community across the planet. This is a global show, and we like to give a shout out to our many listeners across the world, including many listeners in Canada, Spain, Germany, UK, Argentina, Brazil, India, Thailand, and so many more places. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at something rather than nothing podcast for behind the scenes content. And the best way to help the show is to tell your friends about us. If you love it, they'll love it too. Tell your friends who love it. We love you. This is Something Rather Than Nothing podcast.